Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. My Sunday routine is is wonderful and awesome, but it's also long, and I'm a bit of an introvert. Uh, so when I'm done, I need the couch. I need recovery. I need the couch in, in sports, preferably you know golf or, or football. And you may be thinking that's a little high maintenance, and yeah, maybe it is. But my family knows this, so I get home. I get to the couch. I turn on the TV. I watch sports. And my daughter, though, recently, she wanted to watch something on TV. And so she comes to me and she says, Dad, you are always watching sports. You are always watching sports. And this stuck with me because I've been getting to think like, man, is this what I'm known for? Is this how, what I'm known for with my, my daughter? This is what I always do. I'm always watching sports. And it's an interesting question and it is a haunting question. Let me ask you that question. You know, what are you known for? What are you always doing? What would people say? Are you always encouraging? Are you always correcting? Are you always complaining? Are you always working? Are you always working out? Are you always playing? Are you always scrolling through your phone? What are you always doing? What are you known for? Well, this is what Jesus was known for. In in Acts 10, 37 to 38, it says that he went throughout all Judea, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good. When they summed up the life of Jesus, this is what they thought. He was always doing good. Uh, the writer of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, he says it this way. He says, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking a form, taking the form of a servant. This is what he did. This is who he was. Now think about that for a second, because most of us daydream about getting into the university that we want so that we get the job that we want, so that we make the money that we want, so that we have the life that we want. We live so that we can be filled. Jesus lived so that he could be emptied. We start at the bottom hoping to get to the top. Jesus was at the top looking to get to the bottom. This is not what people do. This is not how people think. And it's not historically how people think. think. In fact, when you think about who God is, like this is kind of bumper sticker type uh, theology. People, and you've probably heard this and, and say this, people say things like God is love, right? Uh, God loves everyone. Even if you're like atheist, agnostic, you know, if you, okay, if there is a God, God is love. God loves everybody or this one. Uh, everyone matters to God. So, so if you're, again, if you, you, you may not even believe in Jesus, but you just have, a, if there is a God, if there is a God, this is who he is. I just want you to know that is a uniquely Christian idea. No one thought that way prior to God. When Jesus introduced this idea to the world, the, the Greek and Roman gods of the day, uh, they didn't love anyone. They didn't care for anyone. The Greek and Romans God got, pe- got, people, got people to do stuff for them to serve them. And in most cultures, the ideal is that you would, that you would be able to ascend high enough in your caste system or your job or your career or whatever to get people to do stuff 
for you, even today, we live in what's called a service-based economy where the goal is to get people to serve you. And so like you're doing well, if people mow your your yard, uh, they mow your lawn, that's what I meant to say. Uh, they make your food, they clean your, you know, your house. Uh, the daydream is you on the beach with someone else serving you. Prior to Jesus, um, you know, the way that the deity was viewed, prior to Jesus, the gods didn't care for people and they didn't require people to care. Jesus ushered in this idea. This is what he was known for. He was known for doing good. This is not a God that people are used to. He was known for doing good, but more than that, he was known as a servant. This Jewish carpenter comes around, comes along, and he brings in this new paradigm. The, the first will be last. The win is lose. To live is uh, to die. To be great is to serve. And that is what he is talking about in this passage today. He is showing us ultimate reality. We are in this new series on the path and it's a path of of service. It's a path of following Jesus into a life of service. And we're gonna talk about three different things in this passage, in this series, I should say. And in this passage, the first one is a pathway to greatness. That serving is a pathway to greatness. And so in our text, verse 35, um, Mark 10, and Jesus and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want for you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I mean, have your kids ever done that? Like, hey, I want you to do something for a favor for me, and you have to say yes. Like, this is essentially what they're saying. And he said to him, Jesus says, Okay, what do you want me to do? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. Okay, so deep inside uh, the human psyche is we wanna be great. We wanna be valuable. And they knew that Jesus was going to ascend uh, to the highest position in the world. They got in on the ground floor, right? And so um, they got that right. Like, hey, we, we, see, we see Jesus as being the, 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 great, the greatest and the best. He's the Messiah. And we wanna get in on this. We wanna be great. So we want, to, we want positions of power. We want to be at the right. We want to be at the left. But they didn't understand how Jesus was going to get to that position. And Jesus, so Jesus said to them, do, do you know what you're asking, right? You, <laughs> you want to be where I'm at, but do you know what you're at? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, he says, or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, for it is those to whom it has been prepared. Okay, so James and John, they recognized that Jesus was going to be great, but they didn't understand why or how he was going to become great because they saw greatness through the lens of how the world sees greatness. Greatness for us is measured in how high we ascend in in our education, in our careers, in our relationships, in our influence. I mean, uh, they did a poll amongst teenagers and they asked them what they wanted to be when they grow up. 54% of teenagers, when they grow up, they wanna be a celebrity. Like that's what they think. James and John are probably teenagers and they, that's what they wanted. They wanted to be a celebrity. They wanted to be 
uh, esteemed and in, in, in value. They want to be at this high place. And Jesus is like, you have no idea what you are asking. They had no idea what Jesus was talking about. So what was Jesus talking about? Well, he refers to a cup and he refers to baptism. Um, so what's the cup? Well, in ancient times, the cup referred to judgment or suffering. You might remember Socrates, how he died. He was asked to drink poison and uh, he drank a cup of poison. And the cup was a metaphor for suffering and judgment. And the disciples thought that they would have a cup of glory, but Jesus was talking about a cup of suffering talking about a cup of suffering, the suffering and death of Jesus. So Jesus is like, hey, do you want to experience my glory? Then you, you need to drink my cup. You need to drink my cup of suffering. Suffer and die with me. If you want greatness, if you want glory, then follow me to Calvary for suffering, for death. Well, it is the baptism. Well, it's sort of the same thing. Baptism simply means to be immersed. What, is it, what immersion is he talking about? Luke 12, 50, he says, I have a, bapti a baptism to be baptized with. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. He's talking about being baptized in suffering. He's talking about being immersed in suffering, about being immersed in suffering and pain. And he says to James and John, hey, you guys want to be great. You, you want this glory? Drink my cup. Be baptized with my Baptism, verse 41. And when the other 10 heard it, okay, there's 12. You got James and John, the two. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And so they hear James and John saying, hey, I want to be first. I want to be second. They're like, hey, what about us? And Jesus said, okay, guys, let's get together here. And he called them together and he said, uh, this is how other people see glory and greatness. It says, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. So the, those, the people who are outside of my kingdom, they think, okay, I want to be one, I want to be two, I want to be up there. And, but then he says, but it shall not be so among you. Okay, so I'm, he's redefining for us what greatness is. And then he says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And, who, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. So he's redefining greatness. He's turning everything upside down. The way to be great is to serve. You wanna be great? Okay, be a servant. You wanna be first, be slave of everyone. Be a servant that gives his life, drinks my cup for... He says in verse 45, even the son of man, right? Okay, so I didn't even do this. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The, the path of greatness is the path of Calvary. The path of greatness is not where you promote yourself, but where you deny yourself and you serve. This is why it says in Matthew 7, 14, remember the Sermon on the Mount from a few weeks ago, it says, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Not many people do this. Not many people see this. But if you want to be great, this is the path to greatness. We all want to be great. We all are born with this desire to, be, to attach ourselves to something eternal. And this is how we do it. We, we, we serve. Now, where do we get the power to do this? Because at first, it kind of seems like he's like, hey, look, I did this. You should too. This is the way I lived. You should live this way too. Here comes another teacher. Here comes another influencer telling us how we ought to be. 
I, did it, I live this way, you should too. But this is not actually what he's saying. If we can act, see underneath, he says, he says, he's not just saying serve the way I served. He's saying in this relationship that you and I have, I'm going to serve you. You don't serve me. Okay, I'm calling you to serve. I'm calling you to live as I lived. I'm calling you to walk down Calvary to be as I be, to, to live as I live. But he's not just, he's just he's not another teacher saying this is how we ought to live. This is God in the flesh saying, I have come to serve you. This is unheard of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he is saying, okay, live as I live. But how you, how we, how you and I live that way is that we allow him to serve us. In this relationship, he is the one that serves us. We don't serve him. So yes, you and I are called to be servants. And the way that we are servants is we allow Jesus to serve us. You don't serve me, Jesus says, I serve you. So in your serving of the nations, of, of your neighborhood and, and one another, you allow me to serve you. So the call of discipleship is so difficult, right? Narrows the gate. This doesn't seem right. To be great is to be the least. Uh, you know, to, to be first is to be last. You know, to, to, to live is to die. Is that we have to allow Jesus to live through us. The gospel is not a help wanted sign. The gospel is a help available sign. And Jesus has come to this earth to serve us so that his power can live in and through us. Uh, John 15, five helps with this. this is, it's, it's saying the same thing, but saying it a little bit differently. He says, I am the vine, right? I am the source, you are the branches. I am the giver, you are the receiver. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Now check this out, for apart from me, you can do nothing. The call to Christianity it's not firstly a call to serve Jesus. It's firstly an invitation to be served by Jesus, by abiding, by, excuse me, by abiding in the vine. Jesus did not come to this world to get servants. He came to this world to be a servant. So here, here's how this works. The way that you enter into this life is you need, you need to see Jesus serving you. You need to see the humility of Jesus that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he came to earth and, and he became a human. He became one of us and he walked this earth perfectly and he identified as a servant, being obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross for you and I in we have to let him serve. This is the only way that we could live the life that we want to live is we have to let him serve us. We have to see that in our relationship with him, we are not the one serving him. He is the one serving us. Uh, Acts 17 says he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. He does not need anything. We are the needy ones. He is the generous one. Uh, we are the receivers. 
he is the giver. So we, we receive this from him. This transforms us. We become a new creation. We become new from the inside, uh, but we still have thoughts that are aligned with the world. Like, you know, the Gentiles, we, you know, we see power. We see, we want education. We want income. We want houses. We want, we want stuff. We want people to serve us. We need our minds transformed because this is not thinking of the world. And then we reorder our priorities based upon this new life that we have. But the way that we are empowered to live this way is not in and of our own strength. It's through the serving of Jesus. We all know that we should live differently. We all know that. I mean, 2020, you know, you scroll through your phone, you've got a thousand different people telling you uh, different ways how you ought to be. Jesus is the only one who empowers you to be. Well, how far do we how, do we, how far do we take this? Because I, I know that, you know, when it comes to serving, it's kind of like, yeah, I'd love to, but this, I'd love to, but this. And, you know, we're, we're in this campaign and we're, we're calling all, everyone who calls Jubilee home to, to jump into a lifestyle of service. And here in a bit, I'm going to give you some uh, practical steps that you can take in this, you know, it, are there exceptions to all this? And, you know, you know, I'm busy, I've got this going on and da, 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 da. And man, there, there's a passage if you follow this passage, I should say, uh, in, in the story. So we read out of Mark's gospel. There are four, if you're new to your Bible, there are four gospels, four biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus. A lot of them tell the same stories. And we read uh, this account out of Mark 10, the parallel passage in Matthew is Matthew 20. And just after this, you know, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And once he gets to Jerusalem, he has one week to live. So there's a lot on his mind. He, you know, the crowds are following him. He's got, you know, places to go, uh, people to see, so to speak. And, the, and he knows he just has one week to live. What would you do if you had one week to live. What would you do if you had saving the human race on your mind? What would happen if you're walking by two beggars and they wanted something from you? What would you do? Well, maybe you would do what the crowd did in Matthew 20, 31. The crowd rebuked them, said, hey, don't you know he's got more important things to do? What did Jesus do? Well, he stopped and he said, what do you want me to do for you. Jesus, want a week, two weeks left to live, saving the human race on his mind, stops at two random people asking him for help. And he says, what do you want me to do? This is greatness. Jesus is greatness. And he invites us into this life. And the way that we get into this life is not because, oh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll get there, I'll be better, but we need to allow Jesus to serve us. We get transformed, we get renewed, we reorder our priorities and we engage a life of service. I'm gonna come back here in a minute and I'm gonna just kind of get real practical on some steps that you could take to engage in this uh, season of serving. But I wanna show you, I, I want you to see this story from Maria. Who, who kind of explains how this all works, how Jesus came and served her and how it motivated, in, motivated her and empowered her in a life of service. Let's watch. My name's Maria and about a couple months ago in November, God healed me from depression. I had been struggling for nine years with depression 
And God really spoke to me the year before and I heard him say that he was my healer. I never really heard God speak so clearly to me, um, but I trusted that it was Jesus. And from there, I started working really hard in therapy. And um, a year later, I just encountered Jesus. It was, it was like I was blind and now I see, which is just really amazing because God woke me up from just a deep depression that I've been in for so long. And because of that, I have really just wanted to follow Jesus because I've encountered him personally. And so intimately, I'm like hearing his voice and hearing him just lead me day by day. And because of that, I have been filled with joy and I wanna follow him in every area of my life. And so I've started really serving the church um, doing photography and doing uh, videography stuff. And the more I serve Jesus, the more joy that I'm able to have. And I just see the change, the change in my life and how God has really um, just done a work because He is, He has changed my heart toward Him. And, um, and from that, everything else is flowing from that. So I feel like before I was kind of living my life um, on the, back burner, kind of just like letting things happen. And after I really um, was healed from depression, I started wanting to be more involved and take ownership over my life and over my faith. And I think hearing Jesus and hearing His voice and like, I, I think of like the verse in John 10, where it talks about how my, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. And so that, just like hearing Jesus regularly has compelled me to want to follow Him and just like lay down my life for people and serve the church. I'm following Jesus and that looks like laying down my life so that others may know Him. And it is a joy to be a part of Jubilee Church and it's a joy just to know Him and to serve Him.